Hey there, Edge of Friends. Welcome to the PL Playbook Podcast, a show about all things related to professional learning and education. I'm your host, Jackie Weinkoop, proud Pennsylvania educator, secondary instructional coach, and co-founder of Belfont Reads, a dedicated group of book lovers with a mission to put quality books in the hands of children and families. Before we get to today's episode content, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my district's most recent professional learning day. This past Thursday was our annual health and wellness themed day. A variety of sessions were offered throughout the day to give staff the time and space to relax and have fun connecting with colleagues. Our district offered sessions such as walking with a podcast, where participants could choose an educational podcast to listen to while getting exercise at the same time, a coloring for calmness session that shared the benefits of coloring and, of course, provided time to color, a not intended to be competitive yet ended up being ultra competitive game of volleyball, and my personal favorite, and also the one I facilitated, a session titled Reading at the Beach, where participants were greeted with ocean sounds, a variety of fun, non-alcoholic summertime drinks, and honestly, just the time to simply read and enjoy a book of their choosing. If you're wondering the reasoning behind our district offering these non-traditional types of sessions, be sure to go back and listen to episode number six. But now for today's episode. When I was at the Pete and C conference a few months ago, I connected with so many amazing educators. And today you have the opportunity to hear directly from one of them as they share their take on personalized professional learning. Okay, so I am excited to welcome Josh Korb to the podcast. So Josh, if you don't mind starting off by sharing a little bit about yourself and your background to listeners, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited just to talk about professional learning just in general, uh, because that's primarily what my job entails. Uh, and that that's that's a unique part about my job. And, and that is that I'm the director of innovation for Bermudian Springs School District. Um, and the I always get the question, what is director of innovation? And that's the great question, because I still don't know. Uh, <laughs> so that that's that's always the question is, uh, what does that mean? Um, and that innovation word is always like that, uh, that scary word that people like hear when you hear, oh, the director of innovations coming like, ooh, <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, what that really means is that I, I just wear a bunch of different hats and I'm able to help facilitate just unboxing the potential of, of everybody across the district. So I get to work with literally everybody from even like our cafeteria workers to our custodial staff to um, our administrators, our superintendents. So it's it's just a really unique position where half of me is uh, I'm the director of uh, technology. So I work with our IT department uh, facilitating like technology distribution um, and anything. IT related. So, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff that nobody cares about until it goes wrong. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and then uh, the other side is the instructional piece. And um, that is where I get to work with our instructional coaches. We have three here at the district, Jess, Laura, and Brittany. Shout out to them because they are phenomenal. 
Um, they're just one, uh, they're wonderful to work with each at uh, one at our elementary school, one at our middle school and one at our high school. Uh, and they just facilitate learning within the buildings. Um, they get in, they get into coaching cycles with people and I just help uh, coach them to be uh, better coaches within their buildings. So uh, on top of that, I get to do a lot of work with our assistant super doing professional development training with our staff, as well as curriculum development. So in a nutshell, uh, a little bit of everything. So, you know, that phrase like jack of all trades. I just, uh, I'm a Josh of all trades in that regard when it comes to the district. So it it's- Sounds like it's, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a really fun position. Uh, every day is unique. Every day is different. Um, but it was definitely a challenge uh, getting adjusted, ro rolling in here. It's just been about a year uh, that I took over in this position. Well, awesome. That sounds like a fantastic role and really unique and- how many people want to really innovate education. So that's that's really awesome that you have that opportunity. Um, as far as your background before you got into this role, what, is, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. So I've been in uh, education for over a decade now. Uh, I started as a high school math teacher. Uh, and uh, my my goal and purpose in life was to make kids love math again. Uh, so as they got up to the high school, I, I constantly would hear everybody walking into the classroom. Oh, I hate math. They're like, oh, math, I'm terrible at it. And, and my question to them back was always, why? And they can never give me like a solid answer of why. It was always just, oh, because... <laughs> right. So uh, my my goal and purpose is always to just try and inspire joy and a, and a love of learning, whether that was in math, whether that was in science or I ended up transitioning into a computer science role and then ultimately becoming a coach myself in a, in a uh, innovation specialist role um, in my prior district and then ultimately becoming an administrator here. Um, but my goal and purpose has never changed. And that is that uh, if people feel empowered they can do powerful things. So uh, when when they walk, step into a classroom as a student or when they step into a, a professional learning space ready to learn, um, if you if you make them feel one worth and value, uh, walking away and feel like they can achieve whatever they set their minds to, uh, you've done your job as a facilitator. It doesn't matter the content. It doesn't matter what tool or strategy you're trying to promote. Um, if you don't get people inspired to use it or inspired in themselves, uh, then you failed as as a presenter, you failed as a leader. So that's been my sole purpose is just to uh, drive discussion centered around just empowering our teachers and empowering our students to take charge of their own learning. That's great. And um, a couple of episodes ago, I actually interviewed Ken Ehrman. I'm not sure if you've heard of Ken before. He's a former Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year. Um, and he has a podcast called Empower or Powered Up. Um, but his message is all about empowering, you know, educators, empowering students and educators, empowering others. So if you haven't checked that out, I would I would recommend that because it sounds like you have similar passions. Um, but this idea of empowering you know, those that you work with actually leads in really nicely to our topic of conversation for today. And while I'm sure there's lots of things we could chat about um, based on your background um, and us talking kind of prior, you shared some really unique things that you've done. And one of them that really piqued my interest was how you talked about ways that you personalized um, professional learning for educators. So if you could tell us a little bit about your experience with that and some of the things that you've tried either in your current district or, or former district, I think that that's definitely something that listeners will want to hear about. 
Yeah. Uh, in my former district, uh, it, I was also in a role that had the word innovation in the name, um, and it was a brand new role to the district. We didn't have any uh, re really coaches across the board, um, so it was a brand new role, and they just said, hey, figure it out, go for it, and that's that was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So I, I took it upon myself to really get engaged with professional learning because I think that that's re really where it stems, um, and we didn't really have necessarily the platform or the way to engage our teachers in a systematic way. Um, it was a lot of just like pockets of little things that were going on here and there, or we would send a whole bunch of teachers to our local intermediate unit and they would go learn something and then come back and try and apply it. But they, we didn't really have a structure in place. Um, and that's where we built this uh, system. And I worked with all the building principles and it was called the Edge Plus uh, Learning Platform. And this was during the uh, stage of all of the online streaming platforms that had come into fruition, like uh, Disney Plus and um, Hulu and everything had, had popped onto the scene. Uh, so we took a, a, a page from their playbook and said, hey, why, why don't we make professional learning on demand? Uh, but why don't we make it even more engaging than that? So we tied in this aspect of badging. Uh, on top of it. So as teachers would complete these asynchronous courses, um, and some of them actually had some synchronous pieces to them. So they would coincide with some of our professional learning days. So they could go and do their independent practice, they could go in, uh, and learn the concept. And if they wanted some extra support, hey, that's where the innovation specialist came in. So I was able to go and work and give some really targeted feedback and targeted support. But everything that we did on this Edge Plus platform was centered around the E, D, G, and E, um, which uh, now that I said it out loud, now I got to sort of explain what those are. And it's been a while, but uh, it was like engage, grow, uh, develop, and empower. Those were the four uh, domains. I, I put them out of order. I spelled a new word, but it, <laughs> <laughs> rearrange them and you get edge. Yes. So uh we were trying to lead and teach to the edges at, at my previous district. And mm -hmm. we're starting to do something uh, here at my current district at Bermudian uh, called our Professional Learning Academy, which is very similar uh, because it's just a system that works uh, where we provide our overall scope and, and, and purpose as a district. We provide that in a way that still allows for choice. It still allows, allows teachers um, to explore their interests, their passions, uh, so that they can feel like they're getting more out of it than just us trying to guess uh, uh, what they're interested in or, or what's going to impact their classroom. And they're able to walk away with something that's actionable. And that was every single edge course and every single like PLA course that we've put together has an actionable step at the very end that they can start incorporating that very next day. And that's that's really, really important. Now, for this platform, there's a lot of questions running through my mind right now. I guess the first one being, um, what did the learning look like on there? I know you said it's asynchronous, but were they were they videos? Were they more like hyperdocs? And then also, who de who developed all of this? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was me. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I because I had I I, I say time. Um, time is relative. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm actually uh, working on a book right now that's called, uh, it's called Squeeze the Day. Um, <laughs> it's a play on words like whole seize the day, but you, yeah. there's so many moments throughout the day that we can just uh, maximize our impact on other people and we can maximize our effort that we're putting into anything that we're doing. Um, so, and, and that for me is, was like 11 o'clock at night and epiphany. And, and that's where this whole like edge plus platform came from. 
or like 1 a.m. And that's where like a business idea comes from. Yeah. So no matter like when it is now, I, I totally encourage sleep. I'm not <laughs> I am not saying by any means that you shouldn't sleep. If you can do that, go for it. Yeah. My mind is just always racing. Yeah. So um, when let me get back on, on, on point here. Uh, so when we're talking about like this Edge Plus platform uh, or even the PLA, the, the purpose was the same. We, we always have to start with content to give people an idea and give people a structure. But the, the overall goal is always to, again, empower our teachers to start promoting what they're already doing in the classroom. You go around and, and as a coach, you can walk into classrooms and you see pockets of innovation happening all over the place. It's happening all the time. But how many people are right next door who never get the opportunity to see that in action and see that in play? So uh, what, what's so unique is that we start off with the system. And yes, I record some videos and I, I, I start sharing out the content. Um, and we have like these buckets that we're trying to fill of different uh, possibilities. But overall, our ultimate goal was always to start promoting what's going on in the classroom. So we would start having our own edge plus teachers. So they would start taking the courses and as they started graduating through and getting badged in each of these different domains, uh, they would start producing content of their own, which in turn facilitated new courses that would be added to that platform. Um, so it's this reciprocating process where we are promoting ourselves within our district. It's not, we're not just sending somebody off to some random YouTube video. They are actually seeing people who are right down the hall from them and so there's no question of like, oh, does this work in my school? Will this work with my kids? Yeah. Go talk to the person who recorded it. So yeah. time out. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that okay. sounds absolutely amazing. Um, as far as the types of like videos, what, what was some of the content specifically that you or teachers were creating to share with their colleagues? Yeah. So a lot in the beginning, naturally, I think was a lot of just like sit and get a, a lot of direct instruction, a lot of theory based mm -hmm. uh, practices when we're talking about instructional strategies. Good instruction is good instruction, no matter what content area you're in. Um, so we would go over a lot of the basics of incorporating like, oh, how do you create a classroom culture or how do you engage students in uh, whole class participation? Um, so a lot of those strategies were easy to get out, but when we started getting into content, content specific, we would actually go in and I would record 360 videos of classroom instruction so people could actually sit in as a student. And we uh, we were in these stages, and this was like at the point where I left and I came to the new district that I'm currently in, uh, but we would have like a VR experience so they could throw on like Google Cardboard and they'd be able to sit as a student in that teacher's class and experience the lesson. Um, which was a really cool and unique experience because it gave them not only the perspective of the lesson, but the perspective of the learner that was actually in the room. Wow. Wow. My head is like spinning right now. The fact that you were able to pull all this off, um, especially the whole VR piece, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so they watched the video and then what happened after that? Was there something they had to do? Was there a reflection? Did they have to, you know, connect with that teacher or connect with another colleague? What did that next step look like? Yeah, and I've done a lot more work uh, uh, in, in that part, the second half of that learning process or the solidifying of the concept. I've done a lot more of that work here uh, mm -hmm. with our instructional specialists. And that is uh, they we've structured it in a, in a learn about it, practice it, and then apply it. 
So the learn about it is sort of the, the gathering of that content and understanding. Um, and then when they practice it, we're giving them actual like practical things. So like it might be uh, everything's housed in, we have everything housed in Canvas. Um, that, that's our that's our K-12 platform anyway. So that's what our teachers are used to. But we have it all, all structured in there. So uh, like we might do quizzes, but the quizzes are like scenario based. Like, oh, you're a teacher in this classroom. Uh, what strategy would you apply to this situation? So giving them applicable um, and real life scenarios that they can actually like put themselves in the shoes of the person who's there uh, so they can think and relate it back to their classroom. Uh, we never want anything to be superficial or right. uh, like, you, you know, you read those. I, I think about like a math word problem sometimes. It's like, oh, a guy walks into a grocery store, <laughs> buys 53 pineapples like now who's that dude right so we want something that's applicable and we want something that's real life and tangible for people so they can see it happening because if they can see it then they can develop a plan to actually do it and that's the apply stage so they walk away after every single course with an action plan of not only the resources they can uh, use to do it but also how they're going to incorporate it and they're, they they set up like a time when they are going to do it. So almost like a follow through. Okay. That was, that actually was going to be my next question. Cause I know you referenced that before is what does the action piece look like? Um, because we know the mo the best way to make professional learning meaningful for teachers is they have to pretty much immediately apply it. Um, and it, it kind of leads me to your role with the coaches as well, because we know how critical coaches are to professional learning and in shifting you know, shifting educators and encouraging educators to make changes in the classroom. So as part of that, as they go through these courses and then they set this action step, is there a way that coaches always follow up with them or is, you know, following up with the coach one of the options? What is what does that piece look like with the coaches? Yeah. And actually, at the end of every course, this is something that we added in afterwards because we got some feedback. Um, is we have a course uh, sort of a feedback at the end of every single uh, course that everybody takes. So at the end, we do a course reflection, like how useful was this? How, how applicable? Do you have any recommendations? And then do you want a coach to follow up with you? Um, and then uh, do you want additional resources or would you like a next level course that's mm -hmm. associated with this? Or would you like a personalized course that's associated with this? And our coaches are facilitators on the course. And also all of our administrators are facilitators. Um, and we go across district because we're, we're really unique. We're all on the same campus. Wow. Uh, so all of our buildings are in walking distance of one another. So if uh, we need to like double team a professional development, we bring two coaches from two different buildings in and we'll we'll have a session. Um, so we've been really just trying to target it that way. Uh, in addition to that, our our coaches, we've been taking a uh, we've been doing a lot of work with Jim Knight. We've been working with um, his coaching group, like specifically, uh, we've been working with Shannon from there. Um, uh, and, and it's just been phenomenal for us to be able to step up our coaching game and take a more strategic look at coaching than just, uh, we have to be in an impact cycle. We have to be doing like this one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. Mm -hmm. Um, but coaching is so much more than that. So we've developed our own like continuum of coaching. So from, uh, how we sort of evaluate where we are in a relationship with our staff members. So um, what that does is allows us to take the feedback that we receive from these courses and direct our approach and start forming these PLCs more naturally than mm -hmm. just a Google form sign up sheet. Everybody go sign up with your friends. Right. So <laughs> we're able to target our professional development a lot, a lot more.
it sounds like everything is so interconnected, which is really what it should be. And, you know, as someone who obviously with this podcast really has a strong interest in professional learning, I think this type of platform is definitely something that other districts can, you know, replicate in some manner for teachers. And I also love how, because most of it is asynchronous, that it allows teachers to be flexible with their time. I mean, we talked about time earlier and, you know, really what time do educators have unless they're squeezing, (laughs) squeezing that time. I'm looking forward to the book, by the way. Um, But it, you know, that asynchronous virtual platform really does allow teachers to make the professional learning happen on, on their own terms and based on their own needs. So definitely super cool to hear about that. Um, one of the other pieces you talked about along with this is the badging. So how does the badging work with this platform or how does badging work right now with um, your professional learning academy at your current district? Yeah. Uh, so again, we're sort of in the early stages of that development, but uh, how, how it currently works is when they complete a course, um, they get a badge that, uh, and how people display that badge is uh, sort of up in the air. It's arbitrary as of right now. It's it's a digital badge that they receive, or we also have, we have a Glowforge on campus that we've been like gung-ho with using. Uh, so we actually have started doing, um, I don't have, oh, here it is. So like here is like a oh it, we're on a podcast and I'm showing this as a in a <laughs> video. So me, you're showing me, yeah. I am. I I want everybody to visually look through the the speaker right now. Uh, no, <laughs> um. So we we have a Glowforge. So we like printed out these like tokens that uh, people can collect and put on like keychains and stuff. Um, so it, it's just like a, it's a fun little like affirmation that we've, we've developed. Um, we look to expand that and, and look a little bit deeper into what those actually mean as we continue to, to grow. Um, and because we want to add multiple layers and multiple levels to it, because we want to be able to reward and acknowledge the people who are putting in the extra effort and developing courses for other teachers as well. Um, when you become a teacher of teachers, it, 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 it's such a it's such a next level achievement um, and a next level thing that like we want to be able to recognize that. Um, so that that's again in the works. But as far as just uh, acknowledging like what people do, when people are able to apply in their classroom um, or we see it happening, uh, we are we are all about recognizing that and celebrating that success, uh, even if it is just a, a Glowforge badge. But, you know, you would be, and, and actually for listeners, because I have the capability to see that, it kind of looks like a national park. The one you showed kind of looked like a national park type design. I don't know. That was really cool. But yeah, you would be so surprised at the things that teachers are motivated by, even if it's just a little badge. Or honestly, we found in our district like vinyl stickers, you know? So, and there's a lot of sticker sites out there that are really easy, especially now with with things like Canva, where you could design those on Canva and then you could send them off to be printed. Or a lot of schools even have, you know, STEM labs where you have, you have like a vinyl, I don't know what they're called, but like one of those things that make stickers. So um, stickers could be an option too, but teachers are definitely motivated by those sorts of things. And why not? If you've done the learning, you should be rewarded for it and you should have some way to kind of display that learning proudly. Um, one of the piece, one of the questions that I also had along with this is, um, so is this, is this platform something that teachers can engage in as part of like your district's regular professional learning plan? Or is it something like, like in our district, we have trade time. So teachers can earn a certain number of hours outside the school day and trade those in for, you know, the last professional learning day off at the end of the school year. So for teachers that are engaging in this learning on their own, 
Like, when does that happen and, and how does that fit into the, the district's PL model, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so both. We actually had a, a PL meeting yesterday uh, with our committee. So it, this was brought up during that topic um, because we do have a, a lot of different options and a lot of different ideas. Uh, we're also doing a, a massive curriculum rewrite, which is eating up a lot of that time. So uh, it always comes down to when can we fit? I, I don't want to say fit things in, but when do we yeah. prioritize like our needs within our district? So um, one of the things we've done is we've set aside 15 hours of our professional development time that's already scheduled throughout the year, not including swap or trade days or anything, but 15 hours is called our PLP time, which is our personalized learning plan time. And that 15 hours, everybody develops their own plan. And that can be centered around uh, curriculum. It could be centered around uh, like instruction, um, really whatever they want. We have some criteria that they have to follow, uh, but these courses, fall into that. Uh, so if everybody, if you, if it falls under your PLP and this is a resource that you're going to use for it, you can absolutely use these courses for it. So that's 15 hours of our total, which keeps dwindling because of mandatory trainings, but yes, that's another, yes. that's another time. <laughs> Um, and then uh, we do have two trade days uh, that we have one at the beginning of the year, one at the end of the year that people can also swap out time for. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause we only have the one here in our district as the last the last professional learning day of the year. But I do know other districts that there are some that use this idea of the trade time that it can be used anytime throughout the year. Um, so it kind of varies in the people that I've talked to. Um, and then another question I had was how many courses, like off the top of your head, how many different courses currently do you have available for your staff? Yeah. Uh, so we have currently published, uh, again, because I haven't been here for more than a, or I haven't been here a year yet. Uh, mm -hmm. We have probably about like eight courses or so that are on there currently. Um, uh, and then we have some that are in the works as well. Uh, and I, I got to give props to uh, Laura McMillan, who is our, our middle school uh, instructional specialist. She's been doing a, a majority of the work behind that. Um, she's been developing a lot of the courses, working with a lot of the teachers. And that's where we've been piloting a lot of those resources at, at the middle school to go um, more district wide and more systematic K to 12 model next year. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been overall a, a, a really good response so far. And are they only for classroom teachers or are they courses for administrators, for, you know, support staff? Is it for anybody in the district? So we definitely gear it more towards uh, classroom teachers as of now, uh, but we would, uh, we're definitely uh, in, talking about uh, ways that we can expand it. Um, to facilitate everybody's needs because everybody's an educator who steps onto our campus mm -hmm. um, and we want everybody to walk away uh, a little bit more knowledgeable every day everybody's a lifelong learner no matter who you are so um, yeah we we definitely entertain those ideas as well and that'll definitely be to come and I have one more question about this Josh sorry but yeah. I, <laughs> as you're talking I just think it's so fantastic there's a lot of things running through my mind for the, on the system side of things, because I am not at all knowledgeable about that piece. And obviously you have a lot of background in that. If a district wanted to try to create something like this, what do you recommend on like the tech side, any support that they would need or people that they would need to reach out to, or like you said that you use Canvas, but are there other platforms? What's your advice for that? Yeah. Uh, so number one is just, uh, I, I, figuring out what platform you're going to use. Um, I know that Canvas is our number one go-to just because everybody's using it for instructional purposes anyway. Uh, so it, it just made a natural fit. So why reinvent the wheel? So if you have something in place, go for it. 
Um, uh, in addition to that, like Canvas, I, I would definitely recommend Canvas. Uh, I have nothing against necessarily any of the other platforms. It's just what I'm used to. Uh, so having a platform is definitely number one. Um, number two is uh, if you're planning on doing like badging or anything, I would definitely look into uh, some of the badging sites that are out there. Um, so whether you do it in, you could do it in-house uh, where I, I, I recommend like designing them yourselves and that's Canva hands down um, as, as a development platform. Um, but then uh, it, to actually like host the badges, we use Badger uh, through Canvas. Uh, and that's huge because it assigns the badges as soon as they complete the course. Um, and uh, it, it's just right then and there, they get a notification, email, certificate, all that jazz. So um, that's just re really important. Um, and then uh, what I would say uh, transcends all of that is just having the support system to back it up. Um, and that's the people. And you, you, you like good people are good people. Um, but having the the right people in the right positions is imperative. And I know that you can't really control that per se. Um, but having a support system, not just putting a platform out there and saying, okay, now you have all the professional learning you need. No, it's a starting point. It is a launching pad for people to explore new ideas, uh, to explore new concepts, to start getting a base groundwork. But if you don't have the coaching piece that goes along with it, um, that sustainability is, is imperative. Uh, so I, I would 100% make sure you invest in people before products. That That is excellent advice. Excellent advice. Okay, great. So that kind of wraps up this portion of the conversation. And I definitely hope that listeners will, you know, take some of the ideas that you shared and talk about them with their team and consider implementing something similar. Um, as you know, at the end of every podcast episode, whenever I'm hosting a guest, I always ask guests the same three questions. So this is meant to be a lightning round. So just answer kind of whatever comes to mind. Um, and so my first question for you is, if you could briefly describe your worst professional learning experience without providing any personal identifying info, um, and just what made it so terrible. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you remember the whole hybrid movement that everybody went through a couple of years ago, we had a company that came into us and they were all about hybrid training. We were so excited. And then we sat in an auditorium for four straight hours, sitting in our seats, watching a presentation about hybrid learning. <laughs> Uh, so the reason that was terrible was because we didn't get to experience it. Um, and I'm pretty sure two thirds of us were hybridly falling asleep at the same time. <laughs> yes. Okay. So definitely the, you know, being able to experience the type of information that's being shared and the expectations, you know, for you to implement that is key. Okay. I would agree. That sounds pretty bad. All right. What about the best? Let's turn to the positive. Share one of your best professional learning experiences, either as a participant or as a facilitator. Yeah. Um, if I could have professional learning be one-on-one -on -one or small group every single time, uh, that is the best route. Uh, just being able to have authentic uh, and like vulnerable conversations with people and explore what makes everybody tick is uh, a, a more effective use of our time than a sit and get in for like two hours in an auditorium. Um, so just being able to really get to know people and build on those relationships. So I can list off a ton of different times that that's happened, whether I've I've led it or somebody else has led it. But anytime I've been able to build a personal connection with the presenter or with the coach that I've been working with or with the teacher I've been working with, uh, anytime that that's happened, that's when authentic learning happens. Yeah, it's the same thing with the students, you know, one on one instruction, one on one feedback is always going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Okay. And my last question is, 
If you could only give one piece of advice to those in charge of planning and or facilitating professional learning, what would it be? Uh, don't forget about your people. Um, it, it's easy to get wrapped up in curriculum. It's easy to get wrapped up in mandatory trainings or all of these things we have to accomplish as administrators um, or as district leaders. Uh, but don't forget that people are people too. And everybody comes to the table with different baggage, different life, different lives. And uh, just being able to build that authentic relationship uh, is, is imperative. Uh, you can't do anything without them. Um, so let them know that. Uh, so any time that you get the chance to uh, cultivate an authentic and, and meaningful relationship with somebody, take the time to do it because you can't get that time back. Yeah. Re relationships first, always. Um, okay, great. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, as we wrap up the conversation, I did want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit more because I know that you just started a podcast with your coaches. So if there's anything you want to share about that, we'd love for um, my listeners to maybe hop onto yours and hear what, what your team has to say. And then the other pieces, I know you do a little bit of consulting on the side. So if there's anything you want to share with listeners as we wrap this up, please feel free. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can definitely reach out to me. Uh, Twitter is a great way to do that. Uh, so Mr. J Corb at Mr. J Corb. And I know that you're going to link some of those down here uh, below this episode. Um, but also, uh, so we do have the coaching collaborative podcast. Um, we call ourselves the ISG uh, coaching group. I, I think that's our name. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we made it and we called ourselves something, but it's the coaching collaborative podcast. It's for, uh, for coaches and or former coaches who get together and we put out a weekly episode, whether that's a one-on-one -on -one, um, with an interview with somebody or uh it's just our thoughts uh singularly or we get together and have a panel discussion and just laugh and carry on um i tend to be the talker and everybody makes fun of me on the episode so if you want to hear that uh you can definitely hop on and and hear that as well um but uh you can also uh find me on my website uh joshcorb.com um and i am happy to work with anybody I, I just love people and i love working with educators who are awesome and what types of consulting do you do? Is there like a target, um, like target audience or is it just yeah. kind of anything educator related? Yeah, it, honestly, anything educator related. Uh, if, if you have goals, like I will work with you to, to achieve those. I, I do, I do have a, a tech business on the side as well. So that's master3du.com. Um, we primarily work with, uh, uh, work with districts to transition from traditional based grading to standards based grading. So we do the consultative piece there, but we also have a software program um, that we customize to your district to fit your needs as you start to make that transition um, for mastery-based teaching and learning. All right. That all sounds fantastic. So Josh, thanks again so much for your time today. And I know that listeners will definitely uh, be connecting with you after this. So thanks again. All right. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that music means we've entered the takeaway time portion of this podcast. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. What stuck with you about my conversation with Josh? Take a minute to reflect and then post your thoughts on Twitter using the hashtag PLPlaybookPodcast. Okay, so I suppose that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed listening and I encourage you to share this episode with your colleagues. 
I also hope you consider connecting with Josh. I put his contact info in the show notes. On a separate note, I would like to share a little bit about a fun new product called White Books. The company is in no way sponsoring this podcast. I truly just find their product to be a perfect fit for professional learning. So I reached out and asked if they'd be willing to let me share a little bit about them on the show. So let me tell you about Wipebook. They're a company that makes reusable notebooks and flip charts. As a PL presenter, I know how quickly I tear through chart paper. So what's great about Wipebooks is that they're more affordable and also eco-friendly since you can reuse them over and over again. The white books come in packs of 10 double-sided sheets that are two by three feet in size. One side of the chart is blank and the other side is gridded. You can even download an app that allows you to scan and save work to a number of different platforms. If you're interested in seeing what the white books look like, check out the recent pics I posted on Twitter. You can also visit whitebook.com backslash to enter a raffle to win a free flip chart pack or a discount code for 20% off. Or just visit whitebook.com for more information. Finally, as a reminder, please also connect with me on Twitter at litcoachjackiew. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or have ideas for future episode topics, take a moment to fill out the Google form found on my podcast page. Until next time, Edge of Friends.